Hi, I'm Rich. Hi, I'm Ben. And this is Marketing Matters. And this is a podcast where we talk about everything to do with marketing and communications and why it's important. Because, in other words, marketing matters. Yeah, it does. Okay, Rich, so first podcast, episode number one. Um, and um, it's probably worth starting off telling our new audience who we are exactly. So, Rich, who are you? Hi, uh, hi. Uh, so I'm Richard Forshaw-Smith. I run uh, a small agency in Devon called uh, RFS Marketing and Communications Limited. Uh, we work with lots of different types of clients, uh, mostly in the private sector, um, supporting them with um, you know, the digital marketing needs, so websites, SEO, um, Facebook, uh, social media marketing, uh, and Facebook and Instagram advertising. Um, my background has been quite diverse in terms of heads of communications in the public sector in various places, and um, working as director in um, a couple of different agencies. Um, so kind of had quite a lot of experience, lots in particularly in healthcare and local government. Uh, and before that, I was uh, in PR in the government, and before that, I was a journalist. What about you, Ben? Right. Okay. So, what about me? Well, um, so me, I, I run a little one-person sort of communications and marketing consultancy up in the northwest of England. I'm based in Liverpool, um, but the lack of Scouse accent would suggest that I'm from a little town up the road called Southport originally. Uh, but I do a lot of work with mostly public sector clients, um, which is sort of going to become the uh, focus of this first episode, the difference between private and public. Um, and so I do a lot of work with local authorities, with higher education. I've been doing quite a lot with quite a lot with the NHS. I do do the odd little private sector thing here and there, but mostly, generally speaking, my stuff tends to be sort of in that sort of like space of sort of public service, kind of kind of more generally. I tend to do a bit of everything, really. I've been doing sort of consultancy for about a year and. Um, at the beginning, as you always do, I took on pretty much anything anybody would give me. So that involved writing emailers and writing sort of copy for websites and writing blogs for people and all that kind of stuff. I've even developed somebody a Squarespace website at some point. But generally speaking, I tend to do more kind of like strategy, messaging, management and sort of campaign development type stuff for public sector clients. Um, most of my sort of history is mostly in the public sector, but I did work for an agency for about three and a half years at one point which is actually where you were yes. about, about, yeah, about 10 years ago. We did, was it 10 uh, years ago? Lots of work all around. Yeah, I went there. I started there, well, probably nine oh, years ago now. Yeah, I started there in sort of the beginning of 2010. So, uh, yeah, and we enjoyed three and a half you know, years. magical yes. years working together. Yes, absolutely. Didn't we? Didn't we? So, so, Rich, um, this is our first episode of this podcast, and it's probably worth sort of like talking about Beyond the fact that we're middle-aged white men, and therefore, of course, we have a podcast. <laughs> what is the main reason that that we're sort of doing this for you? What you know? What what are you hoping people will get out of listening to us yabber on about? Um, well, uh, one, I like talking. Uh, <laughs> I, I like talking about marketing and comms. Um, secondly, I think we um, we've chatted several times about um, how. Well, I've been reflecting quite a bit on the stuff I know now working in the sector I do and the techniques and tools that we're using, I don't know whether they're being at all exploited or utilized in the public sector or not. And I, I, I suspect not, but it's interesting to have that conversation. I was chatting with you about some bits and it, from what you were describing was they're probably not. I just thought, do you know what? There's probably quite a lot of learning that can be shared across. Um, 
I remember even going back to when I was in head of comms in the NHS, how the, 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 there was quite a lot of mindset of if it's happening in the private sector, it, it doesn't really affect me. Um, and I was always of, of the mind that actually it does. We, should, we need to be kind of understanding how things go as professionals, not just as a, a professional in this particular setting. So um, that was one thing that's always kind of uh, played on my mind a little bit. Um, I don't know, but what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's what I've been always been really, really struck by is the sense of community among kind of marketers and, and comms people. And like, like you, I enjoy talking about marketing and comms because it's uh, as much as it is my job, it's something I do genuinely enjoy and I am kind of fascinated by. So um, there's lots of good content. Yeah, absolutely. That's all, you know, isn't, isn't that a wonderful thing to have? So um, I think it's really helpful just to sometimes just to talk to people with different experiences about the same sort of core philosophy of comms and marketing but bringing in different experiences from different sectors from different industries and hopefully by us chatting about it in this kind of ramshackle way that we're going to do uh people will find it hopefully enlightening hopefully there will be a bit of a bit of you know, solidarity amongst comms and marketing people there to share about some of the things that we find exciting and maybe a little bit frustrating sometimes about this wonderful world of comms and marketing. Yeah, quite, exactly. I, th- I, think, I think there's loads of even little nuggets of ideas that um, everybody can learn from each other. Um, and I think um, it's a great way of kind of uh, reflecting on those, you know, because you also get a bit of context. Um, you know, Facebook groups and things like that are really good to be on as well. But sometimes conversations, you can kind of get a bit more nuance and a bit more context of how a thing could work in your in your um, your own setting or how you could apply it somewhere else. Totally. So I think what we're going to start talking about in this episode then is about sort of we both work in we've both worked across both private and public sectors and uh your you know your your life has taken you off to a more of a private sector direction mine has taken me off in a bit more of a public sector direction though you know we do tend i, I do tend to do a little bit of private you tend to do, still do a little bit of public and we both have a lot of um experience across across the both of them um It's a bit of a strange one, isn't it, really? People think about public sector comms and private sector comms as very, very different beasts and very, very different things with, you know, areas with very different kind of media and different priorities. Do you think that's the case or, you know, do you find this very, very different or do you find there's a lot of similarities? Um, there's loads of there's probably more similarities than differences i think um it, it's funny when, when i first became uh, i moved from the government uh, and went to work in the nhs as a communications manager in around about 2002 and um, three um and i was sent on a uh, a common purpose leadership course and one of the purposes of that course was to reflect on how the private sector, the public sector, and the community voluntary sector, whilst they all had different hats, all were dealing with the same stuff. Um, and the course was made up of uh, literally a third from each of those sectors. And we all got to kind of understand each other's sort of settings a little bit and also got to kind of talk through our prejudices a bit about each other. You know, you've got more money than we have. It's not fair because X and Y, you know. And actually, we're all dealing with the same shit with just different hats on. So, uh, I think that gave me a quite a good uh, set, set setting to uh, appreciate um, the similarities more than the differences. Um, but there are differences, um, usually about motive and purpose. Um, 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that the tactics that you use should be should be any different um, or can't be applied in in the in the right kind of way. I mean, obviously, otherwise, public sector organisations wouldn't have a website or they wouldn't use social media platforms, etc. It's just um, you know, it, it's what it's for rather than um, how you're doing it, which is probably the biggest difference. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right, and I think that's kind of why. Um, <laughs> A lot of people either like one sector more than the other. Um, is that sort of that is that purpose thing? And I think you know, and with that comes a lot of good good things, and a lot with that can come some sort of quite frustrating things. I think if you work in um, the public sector, one thing you do get is that everything has a very clear sort of social purpose to it. Um, and as long as you keep that in mind with whatever you're doing, that you can, it's very satisfying sort of way to work. Um, I think the drawbacks of that and what's, what's probably less exciting than the private sector is that you are, innovation can happen very, very slowly. And if you're somebody that really loves creativity and if you're somebody that really loves um, being at the cutting edge and making stuff happen to get a, get a um, you know, steal a march on competitors it can be a little bit slow and sort of frustrating there are amazing examples of innovation in the in the public sector but they are they're more sort of born out of necessity and born out of you know for example oh we used up all our budget um how do we get a video to people well in the private sector you would probably never create well you might, I might, this might be a, a totally wrong assumption. You would very rarely sort of just have somebody create a video on their iPhone just to get, just to, to, to put an urgent message out there to customers. Whereas that kind of thing is pretty commonplace in some of the more innovative kind of communications teams in, in the NHS and in, in local authorities in particular, Comstein, I've, I've got really, really good at that sort of like quite sort of DIY almost sort of slightly punk rock approach to comms, which is probably less place in the private sector yeah well, let, let's focus on video for a minute then because that's a really really interesting example of um where i think you're wrong <laughs> um, okay i think, I think you're absolutely right there's some brilliant work being done in the public sector in terms of um low budget but effective um video work which gets messages out um you know video on on pretty much all the social media platforms uh is um placed higher up the algorithm in terms of people's news feeds because it's content that people like watching and absorbing um yeah. what corporate uh private sector businesses um often fail to do is the same you know, um, because they're a bit risk averse, and because they're worried about not looking corporate enough, or looking polished enough, or slick enough. And I think um, the one thing that, if, if we're talking about video used in social media context, which, which most of the time we are, um, what the platform and what consumers of content on social media want is a friendlier, less slick uh, message. You know. Um, so, so it's, it's really interesting. I have this conversation a lot with colleagues who are in video production. Um, and you know what? We will use them. We'll work alongside with them with for client videos to do a really, really good job. I mean, they, 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 they create fantastic, you know, they're documentary filmmakers. They can create fantastic footage, um, which is sometimes very important when you need it. But other times you don't need that. You just need something that shows you, you know, what it's like in the back, behind the scenes, what the reality of that brand mm-hmm. is like, particularly smaller brands. Um, so there are, there are certainly ways that people could be utilizing it that they don't often enough, particularly the smaller businesses and SMEs. Um, 
in terms of re- reflect, yeah. reflecting uh, yeah, how they are and the personality of it. Um, and in doing so, you're more likely to be seen because, you know, content is being suppressed by uh, social media platforms if it's too corporate. And if it's just literally advertising mm-hmm. and, you know, um, and promotions as opposed to interesting, engaging friends and family type stuff. That's interesting, though, because you mentioned about being risk averse. Now, I think there's a, there's a view in the sort of the in the public sector that we're so risk averse, we never do anything. Everything has to go through loads of red tape to get anything actually done. And I think that is quite fair in a lot of organisations. But you sort of you, you think that risk aversion exists in the sort of the corporate world as well, because it's like one thing. It's the one thing you hear quite a lot in the public sector is, God, we, well, if only we could be a bit more like blah organisation and we could just make decisions and move really, really quickly. We're so risk-averse in the public sector. And I think that is a fair thing. But you think people... Of course, of course. It's about people. Well. You know, and whatever hat they're wearing, if that person... That decision maker is risk averse. Okay, you get some organisations then with a, a massive culture of risk aversion, um, but if you've got someone at the top who is willing to take a punt at something, then you'll get it through the door. Whatever business you're in, or, you know, if you're a chief executive yeah, of a yeah. local authority who's going, you know, what I really want to have a go at TikTok and doing some interesting stuff around how we engage young people locally, you know. Um, then they'll get on with it and do it. They'll just say to comms, can we do a thing on TikTok? Yeah, you'll get someone pushing back saying, why, what are we doing? But we'll kind of, you know, if it, if the, if it has a, a, an appropriate process method and reason for doing it, et cetera, then you'll get organizations that will get on with it and do it. It's exactly the same in particularly big, big corporates. They're just yeah. absolutely ages to decide anything. And there's always someone somewhere that's going to be saying, no, I don't think we should do it. So, you know, it, it, it's really not as... Uh, uh, really not the same. Um, it's not as simple as just saying, well, yeah, they, they, they take more risks over here. Um, you'll get some SMEs. Uh, yeah, I, get, I work with micro businesses and entrepreneurs who are just kind of desperate to try anything. And yeah, we'll, we'll take a punt with their own cash, you know, and I've got others that are very, very risk averse that will really proceed cautiously and carefully and, you know, check and test all the time. So, it, it, it massively depends, uh, you know, uh, on, on, on essentially individuals within it. I often found that, actually, and I think I especially find it now I'm sort of working for myself again. There's, like, big public authority organisations. When I say public authorities, I mean universities, yeah. hospitals, all that kind of stuff, is that they have these incredibly convoluted sort of procurement systems, for example, and it's anything over two grand is a, is a three-quote yeah. job and blah, blah, blah. But I think that's a really good point. I've always found that if you excite the right person, they can make yeah. that stuff happen if they want it to yeah. happen. You know what I mean? I always kind of thought when we used to work for the agency and would go for pitches, I always kind of thought create a relationship with the right person, get them to sort of trust you and get them excited about what you're proposing. And magically, funnily enough, all those barriers around procurement procedures and all that kind of stuff tend to sort of melt away if you do it in the right sort of way. Because at the end of the day, people do buy off people and people get excited by stuff and people are led by their emotions as much as they are their kind of whatever their annual plans objective number 6.3 is telling them to do so i think that is really really okay i think and i think that is something that is very similar across all sort of the private and public sector that fundamentally they're run by people and if you excite it if you excite those people and if you gain the trust of those people they'll find a way of doing the cool thing that you want them to do yeah absolutely and you know whether and understanding what their motive is 
um, to get that thing approved. So if their motive is I want to look good, then you just create a way of them looking good. You know, if you if their motive is you know um, something else, I want to do the right thing for this bit of business, then you can work with them on doing that. But I think the interesting comment you made was about uh, I think you used the words it, uh, once they know, like, and trust you. And those three words are ones that we use constantly in terms of advising our clients on how they're reaching out to their customers, whether it's B two B or B two C, as in business to consumer, business to business. That, that's interesting in our position where we're kind of commer- selling a sort of a, a professional commercial service into organizations. It's that, you know, getting people to like, know, and trust us is kind of, you know, is our, is how we make a living. But I would say that's just as important as you sort of say for actually organizations comes out to their customers is really, really key. But actually, if you're an in-house team in a marketing team, wherever, and you constantly feel like you're battling against the powers that be to get anything interesting or cool done, that's key to it, isn't it? You know, it's, there's an internal sort of like sales job to do there as well. Getting the people that getting the people that can say yes or no to like, know, and trust you is sort of like, you know, that's sort of, that's half the battle. Absolutely and that's very, right. Very Absolutely right. You know, um, and it's, I, I would say it's in that kind of no, no like trust in that sort of order uh, because, you know, after, after time people don't know who you are, you know, so I, I remember working yeah. uh, in big public sector organizations and, you know, if you just jump down someone's throat and say, you can't, you can't do X or Y because as head of communications, it's breaching brand rules. All you do is build um, disinformation franchisement and people will start either going rogue or just saying god we hate comms they stop us doing everything um so a they didn't know who we were so we we went around making sure people didn't know who we were then it was kind of get to like us and that you do that by saying here's how we'll help here's our advice here's what we can do instead here you know uh and then the trust bit comes with that you know uh, that relationship and rapport um built over time it's exactly the same dynamic with us selling a service to like you say uh, to my customers my clients um or indeed those clients selling their services to their customers you know they need to have that kind of relationship rapport going first and um, particularly you know um, when they're doing it digitally because you can't reach out and touch things or see them or smell them or kind of experience them in a, in a shop as it were So let's talk about money a little bit. When we talk about, I think, you know, public sector has been through, you know, back in the glory days, sort of 10 years ago before the, the financial crash, there was money absolutely sloshing around the public sector. And people think very fondly about the days where they could just go out and buy whatever they wanted. And I, I remember when I worked in-house at a sort of relatively small local authority, spending tens and tens of thousands of pounds on billboard advertising on rebranding libraries and legends and that's that just does not happen anymore but that said i think there's a there's a um there's a perception sort of still within public sector organizations that have had very very severe cuts mm. over the sort of the last 10 years to think oh well we're not the private sector we don't have their money but is that your but you work with a lot of entrepreneurs and sort of yeah. as you call them sort of micro businesses they they suffer the, uh, the the ebbs and flows of the economy probably I would suggest probably more acutely than public sector organisations. Uh, well, they certainly right? suffer them. I, I mean, the more things kind of um, a difficult one to quantify because 
you know, if I was uh, in local government, I forget what the scale of the cutbacks have been over the last sort of um, you know, ten years, nine years. But you know, I know of the, you know, the I know the last financial settlement for local authorities was um, yet another uh, big round of cuts in real terms. So you know, that's a really horrible environment to be working in, uh, and it inevitably means that once the um, you know uh, the the pay bill is sorted out. There's rarely anything for then you know paid advertising etc. or um, uh, any other kinds of support or, or engagement. That said, you know it's also extremely difficult in the the, the current economic and political socio-economic kind of environment for, for businesses, yeah. particularly if you're in certain industries because of you know uncertainty around Brexit. All sorts of different uh, issues can happen. Um, the flip side of that with the um, private sector is if you can invest and you invest that money well in terms of marketing work and it produces the return on investment that you need, then, you know, it, 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 it does, you know, there, there is there is still opportunity to, to, to run a business, to make money, um, to survive and grow in this, uh, in this environment, provided it's done in the right kind of way. Um, you know, one thing that's great about working with very small businesses, um, and we do have some very small, but it's not all, all entirely that, but, you know, you, if you create a 9% uplift in sales for uh, an individual, they can buy a new kitchen. It makes a massive difference to their personal life. You do a 9% uplift in sales for a global pharmaceutical company and no one really cares. You know, you've, had, you've, you've got a nice case study from them, but um, it doesn't necessarily reflect in uh, anything um that you can personally see in your hand and heart has made a kind of a, a difference to an individual's life. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting. I think in the public sector, people think when people think about the private sector, they think about yeah, AstraZeneca or Google or all these massive organizations that do have massively deep pockets. But that is not the majority of the private sector, is it? The, the majority of the private sector is SMEs and people that, you know, they're one bad decision away from, you know, getting in real difficulties. And so they have to think very, very smartly about where they invest the money in, and, in, and in terms of, you know, what they're actually, what their sort of, I hate this phrase, but what their ROI is on sort of what they're doing. So actually, it's kind of, I find it's sort of the opposite. I find that kind of whenever I have done sort of work with any SME or private sector organizations, get, getting agreement for any budget there, I find I found a lot more difficult than the public sector because the public sector, yeah, they've had massive cuts, but they do have relatively deep pockets in um, in the grand scheme of things. They can afford yes. to do yeah. stuff because they have to do stuff. And the fact, I, I, I think a lot of the, um, you know, you know, putting political views to one side for a minute. Um, I'm sure we'll get onto that at some point in the course of this podcast. But it's, uh, <laughs> but actually, inevitably, it's going to happen. But I think, like, um, a lot of the fact that the public sector has had less money to spend on out the door on comms has has forced greater creativity in some cases. As I said, I think, as I said earlier, sort of some of those decisions, some of those creative decisions are born out of necessity. But actually, that has led people to be really creative and do things that are incredibly cost-effective. Now, luckily, that has come at a time at the rise of yeah. stuff like social media advertising and things like that, which we will explore in great in a future episode that you know your return on investment is, is in, you know so much higher than sticking posters on the sides of bus bus stops like they used to like they used to be so you know in, in that it's worked out quite well but it's like um you know 
with they are sort of spending less money, but they're actually being more creative and spending money better. Yeah, you're right. So, I, I think particularly in the sort of the day-to-day, um, you know, kind of bread and butter stuff, if you like. So you get you're going to get special big projects. You know, um, locally where I live across Devon and Somerset, there's a big uh, consultation around a reorganisation of fire and rescue services. You know, there's classic kind of you know, comms consultation stuff being done around that uh, because, you know, there's A, stuff you legally have to do, but B, specific processes that they need to follow to make sure they can capture people's opinions, etc. Um, whereas the more day-to-day stuff that you can pick up and witness, sometimes there's just the brilliant little examples of where someone's clearly had an idea and they've rolled with it, uh, whether it's about the way they share and respond to something on social media or the way they've just kind of gone let's do something quirky around you know this a small announcement that we've got um that gives it traction and just makes the organization have a slightly more sort of human face you know uh, so yeah the, like you say um i think sometimes uh you, you can be very inventive um when there's when there's less money around because you kind of have to be you know um but yeah you know, like like you, yeah. you say that's yeah. that's you know uh, also very similar in in the business sector as well you know um in, in context there's this there's 5.7 million yeah. small medium yeah. enterprises uh within the uk you know so an sme being anything less than 250 people so you know even those are quite big businesses you know they can they can be multi-million pound businesses yeah. and still be an sme so you know you have to I mean, it, it's it's something like 99 percent of all businesses in the uk are smes so you know yeah. really uh it then becomes about understanding what niches you're you're working with and um you know what they're trying to achieve um but it, they're they're in the same boat you know money is doesn't grow on trees it comes from somewhere usually it's either come from sales or it's come from someone's you know pocket um that's the context that's slightly different you know someone uh, you know the, there's usually someone's absolute personal uh vested interest in in that cash as opposed to um i'm trying to choose my word carefully because i don't want to be disparaging to the public sector but you know it's it's taxpayers money as opposed to an individual's personal money and there's a different there is a different context around that Yeah, yeah. How quickly then, do you feel, or maybe not how quickly, but how easy is it to get decisions made? You find in the private sector. Because I think that's a complaint of the public sector quite a bit, and I've, you know, I uh, I experience this quite a lot, which is kind of how long things t- tend to happen. You know, and there's the phrase everybody uses: yeah, yeah. the wheels turn very yeah, it, slowly it, it, in the NHS. Yeah, or in it's really fun, isn't it? Because no, I remember um, those conversations. Were, um, as I say, I, I I still work with some public sector organisations now, and it, you know, it goes back to the thing: it really depends on the organisation and the individuals within it. Um, I, um, you know. I've got clients that take a long you know, in the private sector that take a long time to make decisions, you know, um, that sit that like to sit on it and think, or and other stuff gets in the way, and they haven't got right, you know, the you've, you've probably got better processes for decision making actually in the public sector because they'll be more hard and fast kind of, you know, it will go to this committee here or it will be approved by this person there, and then it goes to procurement, you know, and there'll be a, a set structure around it. Um, 
Whereas, you know, particularly with SMEs, that decision-making process probably doesn't exist at all. It'll be an individual's kind of um, uh, view, and that depends yeah. on the agency, on, on who came up with the idea in the first place, etc., and what the decision-making kind of process is. So, you know, equally, you know, I did a... Uh, a big design job uh, that we had to work on recently for uh, a university who needed the work literally turned around within a matter of days. We talked about it for quite a while and then suddenly it was like, actually we need this now by next Tuesday because things happened that we need it for. Um, so, you know, uh, and they helped, you know, um, work with the procurement people to make sure that, you know, we could do that in an appropriate way. So, um, I don't know, it, 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 again, it goes back to that. It sounds a bit mean email, but it does. It always in the, depends on the circumstances, the individuals involved, uh, and, and the context of what they're trying to achieve with it and how, you know, if it's urgent, it will get done. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I, I find like the, the the kind of the, the small amount of sort of private sector clients I've worked with um, whilst doing what I do now, those decisions have tended yeah. to happen really quickly because they sort of need something and they're like, yeah, oh my god. Usually, I don't, well, whether people are sat on stuff or what, I don't really know. But generally speaking, if they, if, they, if you're speaking to somebody, they have a relatively urgent need, and so it's just like, you know, in this line of work, it's oh, thank God somebody can help actually just do this yeah. for me, so I can just figure out something else and and find they can, they can work within the budget I'm talking about. So yeah, for Christ's sake, just get on with it. Uh, where it's a little bit different in the public sector because you know there's procurement. Well, I've told the founders that it goes back to that. What's the requirement? And as an agent what we provide is um, either and, you, and you, you, I would include you in this is you either provide capability because they don't know how to do something or capacity because they haven't got the time to do it sometimes a bit of both right um, when it's an issue yeah. about capability you can get into the realms of well if we can't do it did we need to do it in the first place whereas where it's about capacity, that's when it becomes the agency mm-hmm. thing. It's like we haven't got enough room, we haven't got enough people, uh, or if it's the blend of the two, we don't know how, you know, we don't have a designer, so we need to get someone to design something, you know. Um, that's where you'll tend to be able to focus, uh, or the, the agency will be more focused on something in terms of decision making. Um, but, you know, again, you know, there's the, the myth of kind of, you know, fast decision making process being made in all big organizations is, or all kind of private organizations is, uh, is a myth. Um, doesn't happen like that. It can take ages. It can take weeks and weeks and weeks. And you get others that will be like, um, you know, uh, okay, I've had the conversation. Yeah, I'll buy that right now. You know, um, really depends on. What, it also depends on what you're offering. Sometimes you yeah. can, yeah, it yeah. could be something that can be implemented literally without having, even having met someone, and you can get them uh, on a retainer, um, providing them with the great service that um, they can just automatically switch on overnight, almost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So for somebody who is, uh, let's think about our sort of people starting out in their career. So if you're somebody that's excited about the sort of the uh, the consumer aspect, the sort of the branding aspect, the more sort of um, commercial business aspect of, of marketing. Yeah. Um, commercial marketing, let's say that that's the word I was kind of uh, groping for in, in midair for. Yeah. Um, 
what people need what what is what are the key things in people's toolkits for being good and doing well and getting known and getting wow liked okay getting so well, I mean, that's about personal brand isn't project. it um so for, for me if you're starting out what i would be saying to people is yeah. um get in loads of forums listen to amazing podcasts like this one and um just keep absorbing information from all over the place there's quite a few online courses that are worth doing as well um a lot of them are, are, are the paid for well choose be judicious in terms of what courses you look to to purchase uh, because there's a lot of kind of fake gurus out there um, or, or ones that aren't really giving it all that for example if you wanted to get into digital marketing you know get yourself a, um, uh, an online course in digital marketing if you want to get then do some specialist stuff you know go through um the Facebook business blueprint stuff um, uh, and understand how Facebook advertising from their perspective is structured, then get into kind of some of the other detail about how to, uh, you know, uh, to structure stuff. Um, I would definitely be exploring um, and, and getting out there. You know, I think in terms of you've got to go back to that. How am I known about, liked and trusted so you know it's not about blowing your own trumpet it would then be about on whatever professional platforms you're on facebook linkedin you know instagram twitter whatever it might be just kind of sharing really good advice and sensible uh you know experiences so not about going we've just achieved this for this client it'd be more about here's a challenge that we had and here's what we did around it and here's how you do it you know, and actually just like, just open up the toolbox and show let, let let people see inside what you know how it all works. Not the toolbox, open up the kind of mechanism, get people to see what you've done, um, and and teach others because inevitably it stands you in good stead. The the, the best people I uh, follow are the ones that do that, and you know that's something that we try and do ourselves as well. Um, so just keep sharing you know bits of advice and learn from others as well because because you know you'll you'll never know everything. I don't know what, what you what what what, would, what do you think? What, um, yeah, I think that's. What, what would you I mean, I think that's just yeah. I think I think for everybody, everybody, no matter what sector, in that is all totally right, and I think it's completely relevant, no matter sort of what type of organisation you work for. I think I would I, I sort of how I sort of say to people when I've had a few people sort of recently say to me, I'm thinking about being a freelancer as well. What would you you know? What any advice? And you know, I can talk to you about. Oh, you know, I can talk all day about becoming a freelancer if you really want. Um, that's maybe a future podcast. Who knows? But um, actually, fundamentally, it comes down to like three things for me, and it's very similar to kind of the, the, those three things we talked about, which is you know, you know, get known, you know, get get liked and get trusted, which is like yeah. be good, be nice, and be reliable. Yeah. And actually, yeah. if you do all those things. You'll be fine, you know, actually. You've got to be good at what you do. And being good at what you do comes from being passionate about what you do. And all those things, being curious enough to learn, being curious enough to, you know, to get better at what you do. Um, and being nice just means all those things like just be be good to work with. And even if you're working in-house in an organization, yeah. be the person that people want to come to for a solution. Because if you are that person you know you'll get yeah. to do better stuff because they will trust your opinion more and it, it, it in line with being good as in being curious about what is out there and new ways of communicating with people better you know you'll get allowed to do that stuff more so that is a you know i think that's really really important and be reliable be somebody that is just known for delivering yeah. be an organization that's yeah, known yeah. for delivering be an agency that is known for delivering really really well and be a 
person in that structure. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I was just going to answer that. Sorry, together. Ben. I was just going to say, um, in terms of yeah. the original question was uh, in, in the private sector context, um, uh, how, how that kind of applies. Um, if you're setting up on your own in that context and trying to, you know, essentially provide marketing services and, and advice to um, to businesses you need to be able to sell your services you need to be able to sell um, that would be my other my other question so you can you can uh, do all the right things be known trust and light but um, you've also got to be able to speak to people and close business with them um, so and if you can't or are uncomfortable with that because you're just better at delivering that's fine but you need to find someone who'll do it for you because otherwise you won't survive because you you got to get that get that income coming through the door otherwise you know you're just kind of being a very effective marketer that's not but that, that no one knows about so um that's my other caveat about it Yeah, and I think that that is even if you're working in that environment, and if you're a comms or a marketing person in a commercial environment, you've got a you're a lot more focused on uh, your outcome being deriving, I guess, income and driving sales fundamentally, isn't it? And I think it's like I would say to anybody, no matter what sense you're working in, focus on your outcomes, focus on what you know good looks like at the end of the day. And I think that is often different um, across the. That, that's the most stark difference, I think, probably between the public and the private sector in the sense that one is driving i guess social value very broadly defined and one is and the other is driving commercial value again sort of like fairly sort of broadly defined so i think that is a key difference i think no matter what it is you're looking to do really remember focus be be excited about creativity be excited and curious about being a better a better creative person but always remember that the creativity is a means to to um achieve those ends is a means to achieve those commercial or social outcomes and i think i would say especially working in the public sector and this is a key thing is that remember what you're there for remember what the organization is and who the organization is fundamentally for that will keep you going through the times that are frustrating whilst you're getting silly requests from the chief executive's office uh remember that why you're why you're there that will give you the confidence to push back where you need to push back and it will give you the confidence argue about what you believe the right process is and it will also sort of keep you sane during times where you feel you're getting kind of like you no, know, you're absolutely right by sort of process i was gonna say the, that, um, yeah. that that falls into that um, bit around trust you, sometimes those conversations are difficult to have where it's like you, you can't do that because it's not it's not actually when you think about it reaching our mission you know uh when you're having to have those conversations with people to say we're not going to do that because you know i've got in mind who our organization is for here and that's what i'm trying to do but ultimately I 
think somebody has sort of has coined the phrase like the conscious the conscience of the organisation. Being the person that is able to sort of go, hang on guys, is this really where we want to go? Is it, do we feel we are achieving what we want to achieve by this idea that we've that we've got? If we are great, let's make that happen. But you know, it's about sort of I always sort of think it's about taking on the role of your customer in the organisation seeing things from their perspective, be that, you know, be that you're a customer for a commercial service or be that a user of a social service. It's like know them best and understand kind of what is going to move them to where you want to move to and actually be the person in the organization or be the team in the organization that plays that back to the decision makers. I think that is a really, really important thing to think of no matter what type of organization you're in. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's nice to get to a point of agreement. And I think, you know, uh, that feels like it might be the end of episode number one of our new podcast, Rich. What do you think? Yes. That's very interesting. Yeah. All right. Cool. Good well, chat. Great, great chat. Accidental partridge. <laughs> or intentional. <laughs> intentional <laughs> partridge, you know. Uh, yeah, great. Thank you. If, if you enjoyed this podcast, um, rate it, like it, all that stuff. Tell your other comms marketing friends about it. And we'll see you in episode two. Bye-bye.